Hi, listeners. Welcome to Off Mute. I'm Obella Brown-West, joined once again by my co-host, Zach Morrison. Today, we're going to catch up with the Global Head of Revenue Enablement at Airbnb, Quinn Chang. Quinn started her career at Salesforce and has more than a decade of experience focused on scaling, mentoring, and enabling teams. A longtime friend of Tenuity, we'll dig into that later, we couldn't be more excited to have her joining us for our final episode of season two. Quinn, welcome to Off Mute. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, of course. So, okay. So I know you've been prepped. I know that you did your homework on Off Mute. So we like to start with our little game where I say a couple of words, Zach will say a word, and we want the first thing that comes to your mind and why. Okay. Okay. So the first word is diversity. This needs to be a very much big focus in the boardroom and on leadership teams. There's not enough of it today. All right. I love that. So keep going. Tell, tell us why. Um, for me personally, in, in my kind of, in addition to my current role at Airbnb, I also am a board member of W North, which is a women's global organization helping those who are striving towards the senior executive levels. And what I've seen through many of those conversations is not only has there been a lot of boards and leadership teams that do not have underrepresented groups um, in these discussions and at the table, um, I've also seen a huge comparison between companies who do have it and the success that they've seen, not only the employees leaning into the fact that this is first and foremost, a focus area and a priority. And then selfishly for someone like myself, where I grew up with immigrant parents, I, the only role models that I had growing up was the yellow power ranger and Lucy Liu. And to now see Asian women in board seats and in leadership positions makes me realize that I'm able to see these positions and do something about it and then become it over time. So do you think that that's something that has started to change in the past couple of years, or do you think that we still have a long way to go? And I'll be honest, like, I feel like in the past couple of years, I get asked every, every other day to join like a different board, because I feel like everyone's now trying to get their quotas up. But do you think that it's something that because of just how the state of the world is going, it's like accelerated and we're doing okay, or there's more work that can be done? There's so much more work that can be done. However, I feel as if we've at least taken a lot more steps than I assumed um, forward. I, I think quotas are a very interesting concept. However, if quotas will help us get to where I think we need to be, then I very much welcome that because Obella, for example, seeing you on these boards will then have someone who's 10 years, 15 years into their kind of what they think could be next for them. They're going to be in these positions even sooner than when you got these introductions. And I think of this as imagine a world when our future children and our future families are able to say, Hey, grandma, Obella, like I was able to do this at the age of 20. Um, and That, I think, too, it shows us that the sacrifice and the the willingness to be a part of this now 
will very much be successful in the future. Okay. Did anyone else get super nervous when you just called me grandma? <laughs> I'm just glad that just she got, did and not me. <laughs> I just, I just got super nervous with, with the thought of being a grandmother, but no, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I'm going to calm down and let Zach ask his next question. Well, <laughs> I think we all, you know, as parents, Abel, I think we know that being a grandparent is so much easier than being a parent, right? So, I mean, sure. I just haven't thought of myself and I haven't thought of myself as a grandparent before, but you know, there's a first time for everything. Quinn, yeah. thank you for introducing that frightening <laughs> concept to my brain. <laughs> I don't yeah. think that is frightening. I think that is, you know, you are creating the legacy today in preparation for your future family to be kind of just as special and influential as you are right now. I'm literally going to go have a chemical peel after we get off of this podcast <laughs> in preparation. I wanted to comment on the whole port, you know, about the, the previous portion of the conversation around, around diversity, but I feel like now we've gone a, a whole other direction here, but I would say is uh, I appreciate the conversation. And I think my focus kind of being in that seat uh, I, I, I've, I focus on the word intentionality, right? And being very intentional and deliberate about it. You know, there might be the word quota that's used, but I think from sitting where I'm sitting, my goal is to be intentional and about this. And you, you have to set it as a goal, just like everything else in life. If you want to accomplish something, you got to set it as a goal. So that's kind of my focus there. I want to move us, yeah, you know, I'm going to kind of move us more to the fun side of this. And it's not one word. So I'm breaking the rules a little bit here, but. Uh, this is kind of a personal fun thing for me. So my phrase is San Fran. Oh, I hate that. It's San Francisco. Please do not call it San Fran. Please do not call it Frisco. We are San Francisco. And for those who are listening to this, I'm sure um, if you are born and raised in the Bay Area or in California, you know exactly the passion that I have behind this. It is not San Fran. So please, 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 please. Do not call it that. Um, but I consider that home. Uh, that was a place that my husband and I built our careers in, um, had our first homes in, and where my heart will always be is, you know, not only in San Francisco, but in the Bay Area. And uh, so, yeah, that's just, that's home. And for the record, I know it gets under her skin, and that's why I did it. Uh, <laughs> all right, Obella, you're up with the third word. All right, third word unicorn. When I think of unicorn, I think of it as magic. However, in my professional experience, I also think of this as um, rocky. And when I say rocky, it's especially you know building my career in Silicon Valley. Many of us were um, taught, or it was just became a custom that you want to be a part of the unicorn. You want to be a part of the magic that rocket ship. Um, you know creating the plane as you're sitting in the plane. And what I've experienced in my career is that, yes, you want to be a part of that, but there's also certain specific stages that you do want to be a part of that journey. And I've been lucky enough to be a part of some amazing organizations, one by the name of Salesforce, which back in the day, my parents and family members thought I was crazy going to this you know, small company um, by the name of Salesforce. Instead of going to uh, the big four, Accenture at the time, I had those two opportunities and I went for something that I, I took a risk. Uh, I took a risk early in my career, right out of college. 
And that to me was my unicorn. Um, another unicorn was kind of my second uh, role and position was at a startup named Zenefits. And that at the time was supposed to be the next big thing. And what I learned there is the power of getting amazing people in a company very much focused on a vision. And sometimes, unfortunately, things just don't pan out the way that you hope for, no matter how much hard work and dedication that you have. And uh, that resulted in, you know, some layoffs and a lot of survivor's guilt for those of us who were kind of left behind. And now we're able to kind of use a lot of those lessons learned to be resilient, to have perseverance. And then going back to what many people um, kind of make fun of me about is, you know, truly this concept of teamwork makes the dream work. And when you're all swimming in that direction with the right leadership, with the right team, and everyone's all bought in, a lot of magic can happen. And, and that was, you know, specifically personally in my time at Salesforce. I want to go kind of segue from that right into the section around bold prediction. So you made a pretty bold prediction by joining Salesforce. What, remind us, what, what employee number were you at Salesforce? Um, I was like the 2000th employee. And when which, I left, which, it was Which sounds crazy like 20, to be 2000, like, but that's, yeah, I mean, that's that's incredible to be at a company. How many people are, are at Salesforce now, you think? I mean, I think at least 50,000 yeah, worldwide. So it's like, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Uh, so you made a great bold prediction of being there and uh, you know, you've been, your, your career has been inside a, a variety of, you know, the different unicorns of Silicon Valley of the tech world. So that's where I'm very curious to kind of hear your bold predictions today on where the San Fran or San Francisco or Silicon Valley or tech world, like what do you see as the bold prediction for how that world changes and evolves and makes the impact on, 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 the, on the world like it did, you know, 10, 15 years ago when you joined Salesforce? Yeah, um, I think, uh, uh, no, not I think, I know a bold prediction that I have, and it's just dependent on when this will truly become a reality is this concept of sales intelligence. You know, my entire career, I have taught some of the best sales and account management and consulting professionals become the best version of themselves with the right training, the right programs, the right tools. And what I'm noticing now in the industry is that the, the tools that provide these kind of the AI, the machine learning to help people do preparation faster, quicker, stronger, so they can really be in the game when they're having customer conversations or even internal conversations. They're more aware of what strengths and what challenges or even obstacles and objections that their customers might have. So that way they're able to utilize that data and then become even better than their competition. And if you're able to ask the right questions earlier and often and build that trusted advisor relationship, then those are the people that will continue to be successful. And those are also the people who are willing to be a little bit more innovative and creative utilizing these tools because they're recognizing I'm able to be a lot more efficient and I'm able to work a lot smarter. And then over time, the hope is that because of these tools, you'll be able to recognize, and I don't believe in work-life balance. I very much believe in this concept of work-life integration, where if I'm able to utilize these tools and the programs that I've been given, how can I then become more effective in my personal life? And then over time, integrate this like 
happy whole self, where I think all of us um, through the pandemic, whether whatever it is that you had to go through personally, I think we all recognize that there are specific boundaries that we needed to put into place, whether it be with work, personal, with our kids, et cetera. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that all of this will continue to come together over time. And the most successful people will recognize where their inefficiencies are and where their efficiencies are to really have that like full bodied life. Yeah. I, I love it. I, I have never believed in this concept of work-life balance. You have to make the choice to either integrate it and excel and accelerate or integrate it from a sense of you know, kind of not accelerate. And it's about, you know, your choice, you know, individual's choice in that. But, you know, if we go back to kind of some of the things I think what I, what I hear is, you know, I think there's a concept out there that technology and automation is going to replace the hands-on keyboards. But actually what I'm hearing you say is that technology and automation is actually going to, is, is not about, you know, getting our hands off of keyboards that will maybe happen, but it's more about allowing all of us as thinkers to be better thinkers and better insights people with the intelligence that we're going to get. A hundred percent. And I also think of this as many people joke about this is like, my job as an enablement professional is to make sure that people have realized the potential that they can work towards. Like, my role is to make sure that you are the most successful salesperson, the most successful account manager, the most successful consultant, um, or even partner. And what I've realized is that people think of technology as something so bad. And when they think about technology as something that will continue to help them and actually give them that competitive edge, those are the individuals that I've seen really successful because they've recognized like, here are my smart goals, this is how I can execute. And then here's all the people that can help me um, get to wherever I'm hoping to head into. So I'm curious your perspective because I, I'm a part of a group um, that is working to try to make technology a little bit more responsible. And I think it's, a, I think the, the way that it's been framed in the past couple of years has been that technology has kind of interrupted humanity. And that's part of what the group, the working group is trying to solve for. And it's a bunch of agencies and corporations that are having conversations on how we can bring humanity back in the sea of just the cell phone, social media, all of that. Mm -hmm. I'm curious your perspective, like what, you're saying, let's bring on more technology. How do you think that we do that in a world that has kind of become tech obsessed, if that makes sense? Yeah, it does make sense. And I would say not necessarily utilizing or adding on to technology. It's how are we taking a look at technology to better make us more efficient in the sense of what is it that we're using today? And then how can we blend this hybrid approach where, for example, if I'm using a tool that gives me insight into a prospect or customer that I'm about to speak to, um, I'm then, in terms of efficiency, not spending a couple of hours researching on this individual, I'm able to utilize the tool so I can better understand this is the tone in which that they could respond to me. 
This is how the types of questions that I should be asking. So over time, the percentage of time that I'm utilizing to do my own discovery or research will then help me humanize the conversation because it's showing the prospect or customer, oh, Quinn actually did her research. She recognizes how to ask these types of questions to get the right response for me, or she's able to ask these types of questions to get the data that she needs to make me feel as if I can trust her and continue to build that relationship. And just for all the listeners out there, I love technology. I'm not trying to say that technology is bad. Like, I love technology. I'm just going to put that out there. Okay. So it's just social media. It's just social media that's bad. No, Zach, stop. No, the social media is great. Like everything is great. I'm just saying, I love it. Don't come after me. No, it's not. It's not great. (laughs) It's not great. Social media media is not great. I mean, go ahead, Quinn. It's not great. Since Dobell and I disagree, break the tie. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that it, it, it depends based on situation. So for example, My husband and I recently moved, or I guess not recent now, but we've moved to a new, a new city. We are now in Seattle. So in the Pacific Northwest, it's been a huge transition for both of us in the sense where we're away from my family. We're away from all of our close friends. And what I personally have loved about technology and social media is that I still feel connected with people. However, I'm a believer that is my responsibility to use that technology and then use the human aspect of kind of personal relationships to reach out to people. So for example, if I see someone just recently had a baby, not only liking their photo, but also calling them or sending them a gift to congratulate them and being a new parent, you know, that's where the human aspect continues to tie in. And that's where I'm a firm believer that it needs to be a mix of both to keep technology more efficient continuing with connections, and then taking a look at, well, how do I as an individual really utilize that to continue to build the relationships that I want to build? Okay, we'll say Quinn was right, and both of us were wrong. I was going to say, I was like, I like her response. I don't even remember what I said, but I buy everything (laughs) she just said. So I'm going with that. Me too. Ours were on the brat, the Ours were on the brash ends of the spectrum, yes. which is very typical for us. And for Quinn, she actually bought like it to be a more, middle. yeah, more intelligent middle ground. We'll yeah, yours, yours was clearly more thoughtful. Mine, I'm going with you. Okay, so you've been in, well, now you're in the Pacific Northwest, which is basically Silicon Valley with rain and trees. So... I'm curious. Doesn't to hear read from- as much as everyone says that it does. I mean, it does, you, but you know, but it's, it, it, it's actually been semi-pleasant. <laughs> it's funny. My my husband lived in Seattle for ten years, and he says he's like, we just lie about the rain because we don't want the outsiders to come. And I mean, I then went to Seattle, and it rained the whole time. So I don't know what to believe, but that's okay. <laughs> I think you should only come in the summer, is what everyone tells me. <laughs> okay, I I will try that. I will try that next time. Okay, so I'm very curious to know, you've done a lot of different things. Unicorns, Salesforce, you're currently with Airbnb. I'm curious to hear your perspective. What do you think Silicon Valley or the rainy Silicon Valley and technology will look like in three years? So 2024, what are we dealing with from a Silicon Valley perspective? Uh, I think what's been really interesting is 
we're, we're now seeing a shift, especially with the pandemic. Um, it taught all of us that w- with the world of working in an office, that's not necessarily going to be a thing. And I hope that in 2024, there's going to be this continued work from anywhere concept. Um, and I'm a firm believer that if you set in the right kind of I would say guidelines where for those companies who still want their people in office, you still give them the opportunity to then have, whether it be days where they get to work from a different office or work from a different location, because this is also proving that you trust your employees and that in terms of culture, what I've been lucky enough to see in my career is that when you blend kind of the different cultures of employees or different employees from different locations, that's where a lot of the magic happens as well. And so that's something that I hope many of the tech companies continue. And also in partnership with many of the partners and customers that they work with, where instead of having someone come to your office, have the standard meeting, imagine a world where we're having customer meetings in a very different location, giving us the ability to brainstorm where both teams are not in a place that they're used to which then creates this new world of creativity, um, thinking outside of the box, and also giving both teams the ability to kind of let their guard down in a new place because it's, it's a place or an environment that you're giving to both teams where they don't feel as if they already know what that environment looks like or have been there, done that. It gives everyone kind of an evil, an even level playing field to have these really honest conversations and continue to build that trusted partnership. Do you feel as if, I feel like I heard a lot over the past few years prior to the pandemic, but even more so since the pandemic about the exodus of people leaving the San Francisco, see San Francisco, not San Mm, Fran. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The San Thank Francisco you. Bay Area, like they want the Silicon Valley, like tech type of lifestyle, but not with all of the like baggage that comes along with it, like increasing rents, um, just just all of everything, right? Do you feel like companies are going to take that into consideration more now that we're post-pandemic? There's been a little bit of an exodus, you included, from the San Francisco area, how do you think that is going to potentially affect companies' decisioning on remote work? Yeah, I, I think of this as, um, and and I what what it has been interesting as I've been reading through companies who either put a stance on working from anywhere or mandating that people go back to the office is, I actually think of this as you know the the bigger scenario truly is is are you offering the ability for employees to have specific boundaries? And for me personally, when I was working in the Bay Area, I always had to feel as if I like needed a hustle and I needed a hustle harder. And what I've realized through the pandemic is for me, what makes me happy and fulfilled is one, working for a company that I believe in their vision, that I believe in their leadership team, and that I am empowered to do the best work that I can with the team that I have. Two is, is there flexibility where I can, if I want to do a workout class in the middle of the day, because I've had morning meetings and I have late afternoon meetings, then that gives me that flexibility versus being in any location, whether it be 
in the Bay Area or any other tech scene, you know, Seattle, Austin, now Denver, other cities, um, I really think of that as, you know, what are the guidelines that these companies are offering for their employees? Because at the end of the day, work will take up our lives for the rest of our lives until we are lucky enough to retire. And it's truly about what is the environment that you're offering for your employees to feel fulfilled and to also have that flexibility where work might not be uh, always the number one priority. There are times where for those who are parents, their kids need to be the priority. There are other times when moms or dads or just individuals need their own self time where they just need to disconnect, meditate, exercise, do whatever it is that fulfills them. Because the more that we are able to fill our buckets holistically, the better we will be as employees, which then in turn will provide the revenues that all of these companies are going to have to hit in terms of their targets. I'd love to talk about the best and worst thing you've worked on in your career. Yeah. So um, one thing, and I had mentioned this before, is my passion in women's leadership and really providing the platform or programs for underrepresented groups to be a part of a community. And one of the best things that I worked on, which is a little cheeky because um, for me, this was an amazing opportunity at the time. I worked with great individuals internally, globally to implement Lean In at Salesforce. And we got to work with Sheryl Sandberg and her team. And what was great about this is Not only did Salesforce as a company provide me, who at the time was in like an associate level type of position, the ability to implement a a global program for the organization with one of the top female leaders, um, that was a really cool experience. And that was one example that provided me not only the feeling of being empowered, but also recognizing that the company has got my back too. And that's another kind of segue that I've realized in my career is that the companies who truly invest in their people, those employees will day in and day out, make sure that they've got the company's back as well. You know, Tenuity does this really well. Salesforce has done it really well. In my current role, Airbnb has done it really well. And that's the one thing that I've realized that's been one of my favorite stories to tell. And it's best because that's when I realized, wow, I have a company that I work for that has my back and truly invests in their people and they stand by it. And it's not just lip service. And that was my entire career there for almost eight years. And it broke my heart to, to leave. But I also realized that for me at the time, I was thinking about, okay, well, what does Quinn want to be when she grows up? And for me, and it still is today, I want to be a COO of an, of an organization, whether it be my own or another organization. And I realized that I needed to fly. And that was kind of the next thing where I went to Zenefits, which was the next big unicorn startup in Silicon Valley and working for great people. Um, again, you know, had mentioned that when people are part of this vision and team, you were working really, really hard. And I would say that that was probably not the worst thing, but just a challenging time for me where we worked so hard. And unfortunately, I had to personally go through a couple of layoffs and see my dear colleagues 
who are no longer with me anymore. And for me as a leader and as a peer to then have the survivor's guilt of, you know, we are the ones left behind making sure that this vision continues to move forward. It was really hard. And I know that there's many individuals who will listen to this and probably feel that same um, pain or anxiety. Uh, And I think that what for me I've learned through that is even though it was not a, not a fun time in my career, it then propelled me into being, how do I become a better leader for others going through this experience? Or how do I take what we learned from that unicorn startup and made sure that we continue to build great teams, we continue to focus on a vision. And then over time, I recognized what was kind of my next steps in my career in order to help others develop themselves. And then what other companies do I very much want to put my kind of professional career behind? That's wonderful. Now we're going to have some fun. All right. Should I be scared? I mean, when Zach, when Zach says that, I'm like, uh uh-oh, when he said, I don't know what that means. So Quinn, we'll, we'll learn together. Go ahead, Zach. (laughs) So uh, for our listeners, Quinn is the better half of one of our esteemed colleagues and longest tenured uh, Tenuity employees who is on our sales team. So Chris has spent a career being very successful in kind of being the salesperson, you know, on this, you know, this marketing company. And you've kind of had created this amazing career being the sales enablement side of some of these amazing tech companies. So what have you do you think I've learned from each other to have made the other one successful? That's the semi-fun part. We haven't gotten to the more fun part. Ooh, I was going to say, I was like, that's fun on its own. I love this question. Good job, <laughs> <Okay>. Zach. <laughs> um, you know, what? what's interesting about our relationship is, you know, for, for those who may or may not know my husband, <laughs> we are probably exact opposites of each other in terms of personality, um, where my husband is, you know, the sales professional that wants to make sure that he's your best friend, trusted advisor. For me, I'm very, you know, I'm all about positioning. How do we make sure people are set up for success? And what's been interesting is as we've both grown in our careers, um, we've utilized that relationship to make sure, you know, number one, is he asking the right questions to prospective prospects? Or, and we kind of role play in that sense where I'm pretending to be, you know, prospect ABC, and he's kind of showcasing what his decks have been, what his email templates have been. Most of the time, I'm like, that's way too long. People don't care. <laughs> uh, you need to have a TLDR. What's the executive summary? And then he shared with me, you know, different salespeople have different ways of learning. You know, he's been a veteran in this business. The way in which you kind of train and provide what programs or tools to him is very different than someone who's a new hire coming into an organization. And I very much take that to heart. And what I've been kind of sharing with many of my teams in my past life and currently at Airbnb is you know, what are my core values? And my four core values have always been, you know, focus on what you can control. And I tell my husband this all the time. Sometimes deals don't work out. Sometimes relationships 
um, or even internal teams are not available when you need them to be available, but you need to focus on what it is that you can control. The, my second core value is that details matter. When you know details about a future prospect or a current customer, whether it be if they're getting married or sending them a bottle to congratulate them on a baby, those are the details that matter because there's other people that are probably not doing the same thing. My third core value is just to have empathy. And that's something that I do in my day-to-day -day where I empathize with the salesperson that we provide our training or programs and tools on. And I also empathize when my husband comes to me and says, hey, I've had a really bad day. I need to just not talk right now. I need to digest how these meetings went at work or um, I just need to time out, you know, type of thing. And I've also recognized, and maybe this is marriage advice uh, for those of you who are listening, is that sometimes it's okay to not give advice to your spouse on how to fix the problem. It's okay for you to say, hey, do you want for me to just listen to your event or to provide you feedback? And that is the one thing that I have learned from my relationship with my husband. And sometimes he just needs to vent. And I think the last piece is, um, in terms of my core values, is continuing to be resilient. I believe that many of us have learned this throughout this last year with the pandemic, but that was another piece as well is, you know, being in, having empathy for salespeople and account managers, just like my husband, I recognize that they have to be resilient, that they probably get so many more no's than yeses. And so how can I then think of the same concept when I'm thinking through my current programs at work, how to then um, get kind of sponsorship for things that I really believe in um, and just making sure that overall the relationship and the partnership continues to bode well, not only in my marriage, but also in terms of work. All right. So last one on this, uh, uh, yeah, different sides uh, of the coin. So marketing versus sales. So Obella and I are marketers. Well, why did you have to say versus? It's not versus, it's a partnership. Well, marketing, uh, partnering with sales. Okay. That's kind of, <laughs> yeah, but that's not like- you're leading, the get... you're leading the witness. I know you're trying to get something juicy. You're leading the witness. Marketing and yeah. sales. Okay. I don't know. I was just I was just trying to get you riled up. It's not that easy to get you riled up. To get your husband riled up, all I have to do is just say hello. So I was just trying to get I told you, you riled we're up. Complete and opposite. Yeah. Like Obella mentioned, get... sales and marketing is truly a partnership. And that's very similar to my relationship with my husband, right? Is we're polar opposites. And I'm not saying sales and marketing are opposites, but they are. I would say that they are <laughs> each team is very much focused on kind of their own needs and it's when both teams recognize, oh, we, we have skin in the game to hit both of our targets. You know, how do we better work together, whether it be through communication, whether it be through our teams, whether it be, you know, what programs can we show that like impact? Um, it's all the same. It, and it honestly, it doesn't matter what team you're a part of. At the end of the day, any company who has really, truly figured out what their ways of working and the operating system while also having a lot of fun and creating a great culture, just like tenuity, that's that's where I think the magic happens too. See, there's no verses. It's all it's all kumbaya all the time. If anyone could actually see our faces right now, you would know that 
I'm full just of was, Yeah. <laughs> I've known Quinn for a long time. I don't think I've ever gotten her to really go off mute and like really rile her. I tried so many different ways between calling it San Fran, getting Chris and you know, kind of engaged, trying to rile her up about sales and marketing. I've tried. I'm done. I'm not, you know. She's looking. She's a professional. Like this is her living. You're not going to get her riled up. She just she just gave her core values, and one is like, don't get riled up, basically. So it's not unless somebody calls it San Fran. Yeah, which I've I've already given you that that feedback. I I think if you want something that riles me up, I I'm a believer that more people need to share their stories and really become these role models that many of us didn't grow up seeing, you know, like I mentioned earlier, my role models growing up was the yellow power ranger and Lucy Liu. And, you know, especially with all of the, you know, and hopefully it's okay to talk about this, but, you know, the AAPI just hate crimes that have happened and the black lives matter movement, like that's what riles me up in a good way. Meaning, you know, it's terrible what's happening, but what I have seen through all of this is the importance of telling stories and how are we able to be allies and that it's okay to not be okay and to showcase that, yes, like things aren't great right now, but this is what you could do to help me be a better ally or what you could do for our community to help support and What's interesting is like leaders like myself have started sharing stories about how my name is Quinn, but I've throughout my career, I've asked people to call me Q because I wanted the burden to be taken off of other people from trying to figure out how to pronounce my name. That's not okay. Um, And that's why sharing these stories is so important. And that's what gets me riled up because I think more people should be sharing their stories because then we can empathize with each other a lot better and recognize that, Hey, we've actually got each other's back and we're trying to make this society a better society for our future children, for future families, that the sacrifice that our family made for us to be where we are today was worth it. And I think that's what gets me riled up. So Zach, hopefully that is what you're looking for. I don't care if that's what Zach's looking for. I love that. That is awesome. Me too. So, there you go. All right. So Zach is Zach is pleased with your with you being riled up. Yeah, and and I would say that's um, probably a quick side note. What I'm really excited about working on next is you know I've worked with some amazing people or met amazing people throughout my career. You know, Mark Benioff, Cheryl Sandberg, Tony Robbins, Ariana Huffington, and you know, in a couple of years or even soon, I would hope to be in a position just like you both, where I'm having these deep conversations with these leaders and providing a reach to the younger generation, showcasing like this is their playbook for success and where they're able, the younger generation can see this and then we provide that playbook for them to do it so then they can be it. And that's something that's really, you know, that's my vision project for for the next year. I have a feeling you have a lot of people watching and you just don't realize it. Like, so you might not be Tony Robbins, which we're, I'm going to question that off of the podcast, but I have, I have a feeling you already have a bunch of people watching you, which 
I, it took me a minute to realize that I have a lot of people that are watching me too, but you don't have to strive for Tony Robbins. You're doing exactly what you need to be doing. I, I have a, I have a feeling you, I have a feeling. Well, Quinn, no one's calling you Q. We're calling you Quinn. Thank you so much for joining us on Off Mute. And guys, we're done for the season. So we'll see you next season for more insights and unfiltered conversation. Quinn, thank you so much for being our final guest of the season. Thanks, Quinn. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>